Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Women throughout time have had to deal with hormone changes throughout their lives. And, you know, today we're going to talk about what happens as you get to be, oh, I don't know, right around my age, despite my denial. We are going to talk with Dr. A.S. Sultan, head of Hanu Women's Health. She is the currently a physician practicing right downtown in Honolulu for the last several years and has a wonderful clinic that is primarily GYN focused, but also handles some OB uh, obstetrics kind of patients. But we are going to be talking about perimenopause. This is going to be a scary conversation for me and Dr. Sultan because I'm in denial and don't even want to think about it. But our topic of the day is going to be hormone changes. When does menopause start and what does that term perimenopause mean? And what are some of those signs and symptoms that you might not realize are the beginnings of menopause? And what can you do to help deal with some of the upcoming symptoms that we might all be familiar with or hear about? hot flashes, mood swings, sleep issues, etc. So today we're going to have some fun making fun of my future. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. A.S. Sultan, here on The Body Show. Thank you so much for having me back again, Dr. Kozak. Yeah, we've, we had a talk a few years ago, and today we're going to talk about life. Okay, so let's start with the basics. I am 46. I don't want to admit it. I just did. And when does perimenopause start? Oh, please tell me, later than 46. So perimenopause is basically the time frame around when menopause. So it's easier actually to say when menopause is, which is the average age of 50 plus or minus five years. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm in there. Okay. So menopause is, is, you know, often people think menopause is when you just stop having cycles completely. Like that's it. Six months, no cycles. Boom. Menopause. It's not that straightforward and strict, is it? Um, the technical definition is, but it's actually one year of no cycles. So one year, no periods, no other causes such as an oops pregnancy, then yes, that's menopause. So this perimenopausal time, mm -hmm. this before and after, what are some of the things that people might not expect? Could be early signs that they are heading into perimenopause and they need to keep an eye out for. You see women every day in your practice and you see them with a variety of different symptoms. What are some of the things that women may come in with that are sort of classic perimenopause symptoms that someone like myself might be in complete denial about? So it actually varies from woman to woman and ethnicity, but a lot of the common ones that we typically will hear are, I start I'm feeling night sweats or I'm feeling hot flashes. Those are closer to the menopause time frame. Um, things that some women might say are things like, oh, I'm becoming a little bit more forgetful. I've forgotten where I put my keys this morning, uh, that kind of thing. Are um, you in my house? <laughs> Because I was looking for my keys this morning, and they were, like, so in my purse. I'm like, where did I put them? And boom, there they were. Okay. And it, exactly. Um, some women won't feel anything. Some women will have maybe just slightly changes in their periods. They might be longer, further apart, or they might be shorter and heavier. So it really is very variable among women. So it just depends on the person. Kind of like, you know, when you think about going through puberty when you're, you know, what, in middle school, 
high school, etc. You know, that's a time when everyone has a different time frame and you, you can physically see the external attributes and you see some girls or some boys developing earlier and some develop later. And it's almost like your body has its own clock and it does what it wants and you're just you're just going to ride with it. Absolutely. I basically say it's kind of like when we go through puberty, but in reverse, our hormones are again all over the place, but we kind of understand it, but we really, we're just going with the flow and sometimes not in a good way. Yeah, that's true. Mood swings. Let's put that on the list. But when when you think about it, a lot of times I'll have patients come in and say, I want a blood test to see see where I'm at. But there are some blood tests when you actually hit menopause, the, this follicle stimulating hormone, this FSH level. But if you're in perimenopause, are there any sort of blood tests or any sort of hormone levels that can kind of indicate you're heading in that direction? Or is there any reason to test those or not really? It's really not any reason because men- uh, the perimenopausal time frame can really last from anywhere from one year to 10 years or, or even greater. So it's really difficult. Um, Furthermore, when you look at FSH levels and you look at LH levels, they actually will change within the day and they'll change from month to month. So it's really difficult in terms of that. We can start doing if someone really wants to know and say, okay, we'll we'll check these levels. We'll check them one month later, same time frame, get a kind of sense. It's just a, you know, snapshot one time kind of thing, two times. And then we'll get a sense of if you're certain level above well, it's suggestive of that, but there really is no definition of except you've had no periods, one year, done. And so prior to that, it's not really accurate per se to no. check levels because they could change. Then, And if you have cycles again, they could change. Exactly. And so it's not really this blood test. You know, it's not like diabetes where you have a certain sugar, it hits a certain percent, you got it. There's Correct. no other way around it. But it's it's much more sort of uh, flexible in that sort it of situation. It is very flexible, yeah. So for women who start having some of these symptoms – is it, are there things they can do to try and modify it? I mean, you know, women who say, hey, I might be having some night sweats. Hey, I might be having some hot flashes. I'm not exactly certain that's what it is. Is there any way to know that's what it is? Or are there things they can do to try and get the diagnosis on their own? So one of the things, and especially when I was teaching medical students, was to let them know, don't automatically think It's perimenopausal. So someone who is having night sweats, maybe they're having difficulty sleeping. One of the more common hormones that that can be related to is actually thyroid. And so you want to be making sure that you check on the the things that it could be and not just automatically assuming, well, I'm in that age range. And so let me think it's perimenopausal. Sure. I remember I had a wonderful colleague that I still keep in touch with who had all the classic symptoms of menopause and just assumed that's what it was and found out she had like no thyroid function and she was a physician and just didn't really think about that as a possible cause because she just assumed, okay, I'm menopausal, the fatigue, the all these other symptoms are yep. normal, I have no energy. And then boy, when she checked her thyroid levels, it was like off the charts how low her thyroid was. So once she started replacing it, she felt a lot better. So that's certainly a good point to keep in mind is keep an open mind and consider that your symptoms could be something else and your physician can do some blood tests for thyroid, which is fairly easy to determine if your thyroid is off. That's a bit more strict in the guidelines and their values that don't generally change as much over time. So that's an easy blood test to do. Are there other things that mimic it? Could someone be anemic and have some troubles or? Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, 
Um, I, I, I alluded to this earlier. If someone is not on contraception and um, they wind up not having a period, that also could mean pregnancy. So as long as you're still having periods or they're still on and off, that's something to, to consider so that um, it's important to discuss with your OBGYN. If you don't want to get pregnant during that time frame, you may be may want to be on something. Um, other things like you, you alluded to earlier um, in terms of anemia, that absolutely can lead to fatigue. Um, when you're talking about things like um, cortisol levels and looking in terms of that. So typically when someone is really complaining about a, a constellation of symptoms that could be attributed to perimenopause, I also want to make sure that it isn't a medical complaint and an actual, like we discussed, like thyroid disease, for example. So there might be some blood tests that would be done to try yeah. and evaluate that and determine if there is any chance that that's the case. And then always if the blood tests are okay, then you could investigate further some of the symptoms. So if you do determine that it isn't any other medical cause, it's not, you know, the unplanned pregnancy, it is perimetopause. What are some of the things women can do for that? So it again depends on whether or not they want to treat. So sometimes women just want to know, am I in perimenopause? And then they just I deal feel with it, it yeah, and then sure. deal with it. Some women are like, well, my major complaint is, let's say I'm not sleeping well. Okay, then we can talk about different options, whether it is a medication, uh, a supplement, things like that. We'll, we'll treat what is the most bothersome symptom to the patient. And so I actually have a nice list of questionnaires of what are your major complaints, and we can target in that respect. And if I can give one kind of medication or one kind of supplement, I'll do it that way. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. A.S. Sultan of the Hanu Women's Health, and we are discussing perimenopause, a topic that will and probably as near and dear to my heart at the moment. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what some of those symptoms might be and what are some of the things that women can do to sort of help themselves ease through this hormone transition. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. A.S. Sultan from Hanu Women's Health Clinic, a wonderful office right down in Pioneer Plaza in downtown Honolulu. And today we are talking about perimenopause. You don't think you want to be there, but you might just be there anyway. And yeah, I'm talking about me. So we mentioned that menopause might be on average around age 50, perimenopause, plus or minus five years or so. So this is the time frame when some of those changes could be occurring. And some of the classic symptoms you mentioned, maybe fatigue, night sweats, having trouble with sleeping. Some of these things are things that women might come in and need to be evaluated to make sure there's not a medical cause other than perimenopause. And once it's determined that that's probably the case, then you mentioned that you'll take a look at some of their symptoms and talk about some ways that they can treat that. Now, hormones, that has come in and out of vogue recently, and a lot of women don't want to use hormones when they go through menopause. Some women do because the symptoms are so problematic that they just can't handle that transition. 
But before someone goes through menopause, when they're in that perimenopause phase, are there things they can do to help themselves as eating a healthy diet, doing their exercise, trying to get enough sleep, kind of the basics? Are these things that can help them through this time? Absolutely. I mean, they always are, are any kind of any time that we talk about living a healthy lifestyle, it does regulate your system absolutely much better. So that's one of the things that we t- we take a look at. What are their sleeping habits? You know, what are they doing right before they go to sleep? If that's the problem, um, are they exercising? Are they getting the endorphins that they need just from exercising? So that will be helpful. So doing the regular activities that you should be doing anyway, but really focusing on that can certainly help. How much does stress? have an impact on hormone levels, particularly around this perimenopause time, because this is a time when a lot of people have a lot of things going on. And that's uh, stress is something that everybody, no matter who you are, what age you are, what gender you are, doesn't matter. Everybody's going to have that at some point. Stress is, can uh, be a huge player in terms of this. And it actually, in just in general, um, on a women's periods, for example, I say it's a really good barometer. Your periods are a really good barometer of what your outside influence as well as your internal um, uh, hormones are. Basically, stress can just knock it out. You can get irregular periods from that. And so add that to a time frame in which you're probably getting irregular periods anyway, and you're just probably extending the, that irregularity. So trying to manage that stress by figuring out what the source is or maybe working on some of those lifestyle things we talked about could potentially help. Now, you mentioned sometimes taking medication or taking supplements. What sorts of things would be good? So the easiest is that if your hormones are kind of all over the place, regulating your hormones by giving you back hormones. And I talked about this when I said, you know, just contraception. So going on birth control pills, giving you a little bit of back of what you were losing or what may be out all over the place. Kind of discuss um, the best way that I can explain it. It's kind of like when you're when you look at your ovaries during the perimenopausal time frame, they're in a stutter mode. Sometimes they're releasing the right amount of hormones, sometimes not. Sometimes this is good, sometimes not. So by giving something where it evens everything out, then it kind of evens that person back out. If we're talking about moods, that's one of the best ways to even it out. Um, but for moods and, and having moods all over the place, antidepressants work really well too, low-dose antidepressants. Um, if we're talking about things like sleep, we have the generic medications, or I should say it's uh, the brand name Ambien is an example. But I find that actually a good quality melatonin will help too. So depending on what the woman is interested in, we'll go either the medication route or the supplement route or even the hormonal route. Is there ever an age where it's too old to take birth control? I would say postmenopausally, you don't need it as much. You need a certain type of, of hormone. But a lower dose. But you can keep going with that, yeah. And so when you talk about birth control, are they all the same dose? Is there a low dose that as you're getting towards this perimenopause phase you could take because maybe you don't need the hormones of a 25-year-old? There's low dose, there are regular dose, and there are different kinds of um, hormones within the birth controls. So a lot of times we're kind of taking a look at what is it that the woman needs, and we'll, we'll base it on that. So it really can be individualized Absolutely. to the person themselves. But once you're on that, you should pretty much stay on that throughout the month. You shouldn't just take it one day, not take it another day. That could wreak more havoc than I anything I was going to say, if you want to act more crazy, that's the way to do it. 
Yeah. No, <laughs> nobody wants me to act more crazy. Trust me. Nobody. Okay. And you mentioned low dose antidepressants. A few years ago, there were some medications that were actually approved that are in that antidepressant class. They're actually used for PMS or PMDD, Correct. premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So we do know that there are some benefits for using certain types of medications, these SSRIs or other types of medicines that we would think would be more treating depression or psychological symptoms, but that's not necessarily what they're treating. They're helping balance out the hormones for perimenopause as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. So another option. Yep. You mentioned Ambien. You mentioned high-quality melatonin. These are things that can help regulate the sleep patterns. How important is regular sleep to dealing with perimenopausal symptoms? Regular sleep is actually extremely important in general, not just with perimenopause. And it can offset or contribute to poor, uh, depression if you have poor quality sleep. Um, it can make you more irritable if you have poor quality sleep. It can make your um, cortisol levels all over the place and therefore feel fatigued or feel just out of sorts. And so sleep is huge. And we should be getting around seven to eight hours. Ideally, six hours would be kind of on the low end, but still okay. But anything less than that, or if it's interrupted, we should be talking about. Well, and it's funny because every time I turn around, there's a new study talking about how important regular sleep is and how we often misinterpret the guidelines for sleep and think we're okay. Oh, three or four hours is okay. Five hours is fine. But study after study has shown getting an adequate amount of rest is helpful for everybody, Absolutely. no matter what age, and that there are certain times when you'll need more sleep than others and to respect that and to give yourself the time Correct. to do yeah. it. Now, let's talk about when we transition to that menopause phase. So a woman has gone through the perimenopause, has some of these symptoms, and now she's starting to have no more cycles. That's sort of the time when we know that the estrogen levels are fairly low, that the ovaries are not functioning the way that they used to at all. And, you know, if you have a hysterectomy and you have your ovaries removed, that's like menopause overnight. Exactly. So when you have that true menopausal time, do you see an intensification of some of those symptoms? Do all women feel it or do some women just not even notice? It's really dependent on how quickly they go through menopause. So you mentioned if your ovaries are removed and you have a hysterectomy, then and hysterectomy actually doesn't impact, it's the ovaries, right? So you have the ovaries removed, you're going to feel it much faster than the body is actually preparing and going and doing that sputtering effect where sometimes it'll be releasing the normal and sometimes not. So sometimes there are some women who experience that. They'll say, I really didn't have all those symptoms that women complain about. And I tell them, you know what? Don't spread that word around. Yeah, we don't People like will you. will hate you. We don't like you at <laughs> other all. Other women will not be appreciative. But other women, they can go through years of misery and have these hot flashes continue and continue and continue. And so um, it's really important that they bring it up with their physician so that they, that can be addressed because there's really no reason to be miserable. And that's really one of the things that I wanted to make sure came out is if it's bothering you, we can do something about it. There's something out there to treat it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. A.S. Sultan of Hanna Women's Health Clinic. And we're talking today about perimenopause and the transition to menopause. If you're not already there, you're going to get there. And if you're my age, you're heading in that direction, the hormone highway. So when we come back, we're going to talk some more about the ways that we can address some of those menopausal symptoms and what happens to the body after that and how we can make sure to support what our body needs throughout this whole hormone transition transition time. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Dr. A.S. Sultan. She is the head of the Hano Women's Health Clinic, and we're talking today about that hormone change that happens for women as they get older. Earlier in the show, we were focusing on perimenopause. Now we're going to talk a little bit about menopause. Now, you mentioned, Dr. Sultan, a really important point, which is a lot of women sometimes feel absolutely miserable during this transition, There is no need to feel miserable. If you have symptoms, they can be addressed and you can talk with your doctor and see someone who has expertise in helping to treat some of these symptoms with various different types of hormones or other sorts of treatments that can make things so much easier for you during this time. Other than using birth control, when you get to this menopausal time, are there other levels of hormones or types of medications that can be used and are they all ingested as pills or are there other ways that you can use these? So absolutely there are other hormones and in fact I'm a big proponent for hormones um, when used judiciously. So in other words it's not something that anyone can just prescribe and then say here you go and go along your way. 30 years later you're still on it. Absolutely. And so you know if you go by our typical guidelines which is use the hormones that you need to get you over the symptoms that you have for the shortest period of time and then you're golden so that is currently how we are are treating um There is a body of evidence that shows that not all hormones are going to be identical, and there are going to be hormones that are helpful and more helpful than others. And the studies continue to be, um, continue to come out and show this. And the ones that I'm specifically talking about are the bioidentical hormones. That's the same as what um, our body has. I, I specifically don't say natural because there are definitely natural hormones out there, but the ones that are similar to what our body. And these can be given in terms of pills. They can be given in terms of creams, in terms of pellets. There's so many different ways of giving them, and they all have their risks and their benefits to that. So it's really important that you speak to a provider that understands that. Because in a lot of cases, and I'm, you know, I'm an, I'm an internal medicine doctor. I've been doing internal medicine for uh, 20 years now. I would not be a hormone expert, and I'll just, I'll just state that. So I would want someone who does have more expertise with that to be able to help guide women through this transition because this is something that's really important, and you don't want to get it wrong. It's not all about just giving Premarin or Prempro or some of the exactly. medicines that we used to give when I first started practice because, you know, the Women's Health Initiative study changed that a little bit. Absolutely. And you mentioned using the right type of hormone for the amount of time that it's necessary, no longer, no no shorter than you need it to help you through this transition. Now, if I can add to that one important thing, one of the things that are coming out in the studies these days is that the sooner that you start on hormones, if you desire to be on hormones, the longer the protective and benefits that you'll see on hormones. But if you take a break, and we're still not sure how long that break is, if it's five years, if it's 10 years, and then you try to get on it. That's when you see the side effects. That's when you see the risks without the benefits that we were still using it for in terms of prolonging, you know, the inhibition of heart attacks, et cetera. So this is the important part. If you want to be on hormones, the sooner you start, the better off you are. So don't 
wait five, 10 years and then say, okay, now I want hormones. You mentioned benefits from prevention of heart attacks. There's also some benefits for bone health and osteoporosis prevention. Absolutely. What are some of the other good things that taking hormones can do? So we mentioned mood in terms of improvement of mood. We've talked about memory loss um, or forgetfulness, which I want to make sure that people are aware it's slightly different Um, in terms of just skin quality. So skin quality in in face, in, in hands, in in um, our unmentionable areas. Down um, yonder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of these are imp- imp- affected by hormones. What's also interesting is that if I, ha- if I were to take a look at women with hormones and without hormones, I can definitely see cholesterol level uh, changes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of women who are having increases in their cholesterol and all of a sudden have to start their cholesterol medication, they're like, I'm fit, I'm exercising. It is a hormonal effect. It's because of that loss of hormones. So that also is is very helpful. Sleep absolutely can be helpful. So there's a, I mean, your hormones were with you your entire life almost. So you're going to feel their absence. But tell me there's life there's with life. their absence. There's absolutely life. Because I think that's what a lot of women fear. Maybe maybe just me. Uh, but it's one of those things where I always think to myself, boy, granted you were a young kid, you didn't have hormones until you hit puberty. And then all of a sudden you're used to hormones and then they go away. And wow, that's a scary thought. But you've seen women who have gone through menopause who are not on hormones and they've done well and they've survived. Absolutely. Tell me they've all survived. They've survived. Okay, that's good to know. So are there other things that people need to consider as they're going through this perimetopausal, menopausal phase that we haven't discussed yet? Things that they might need to be aware of to keep in mind if you've already gone through menopause and you suddenly start having like bleeding and almost like a cycle again, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign, especially if you're on hormones or if you, you know, you went to a practitioner that maybe said, oh, this is safe. This is OK. This is bypassing this, you know, this part of the system. So you're, you're safe. Um, what I've seen are and this is what I mean by judicious use. I've seen women come in on hormones and they were on hormones, but were not being followed. And then they wind up with unprotected um endometrial lining, and which winds up with endometrial cancer. So one of the first signs of um, endometrial cancer is that abnormal bleeding, especially postmenopausal. So please be wary. It Hormones are with risks. So you have to see and have that conversation with your doctor about what these risks are that you're signing up for. And postmenopausal bleeding is not normal. It is Get not it normal out. ever. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't be happening. No. Most common cause, so that people aren't worried, is just atrophy, which means a thinning of the tissue. But the most worrisome cause is the development of cancer. So you really want to be careful. And you've mentioned that if you are having symptoms of perimetopause or menopause or abnormal bleeding of any type, talk to your gynecologist about it. Because that's what they're there for. You are the hormone expert. And for women's health, you are the type of doctor that people want to see because they need to have that level of expertise. Absolutely. And I'd much rather you come in and ask me something and not be sure. And I reassure you rather than you suffer and then it be something that we needed to deal with. Or like Google it and hit the wrong website. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) 
researching your symptoms on the internet is not bad as long as you go to websites that have good medical information. Yep. Like if you go to the Mayo Clinic or the Harvard Newsletter or you know Duke Medical Center or Hopkins or some of those sites that really do have some medical Absolutely. professionals writing I love it. them. Because sometimes you come in with the symptoms and you give us that idea, should we be looking at that? And that's fine. It's just when you go through and you're looking at the scary stuff and you're like, oh my goodness, is this what I have? Well, there are definitely some scary things that you can see on the internet, I'll tell you. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you and see you, how can they find you? Um, they can go to the website, honowh.com. They can call us on our office number is 808-638-3100. Um, yeah. And those are the ways to find you. Absolutely. Or they can Google you, Dr. A.S. Sultan. Yep. Hanu Women's Health Clinic. All right. Well, I don't want to admit it, but boy, perimenopause is in my near, if not current future. So we're present. So this is something that I really appreciate you coming and talking about, and we will certainly have to do this again. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. I appreciate you having me here. We'll have you on again. Trust me, third time's a charm. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk some more about health topics keeping us all well. See you then. Mm-hmm.